I want you to look at Romans 5. Let me see what I can do here. Okay. 5, and I want to begin reading at... Well, let's actually begin reading at verse 12. Romans 5, 12. And then we'll get over into Romans 6. I want you to see this. Will be a blessing to you. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death, talking about spiritual death. I'll read up here. I can see those letters better. better. Death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. See, by Adam. Death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. For if through the offense of one many... Wait. Where were we? Okay. Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, prophetically talking about Christ. Not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, how many see that? The offense of one, many be dead because of spiritual death. Much more, woo, the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded or brought life unto many. So that's why we don't go around confessing, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You're not a sinner. You're a Christian. You're a believer. You're uh, an heir of God, joint heirs with Christ, a Christ person. Yeah. A life person. Yeah. Now, if you'll start looking at the word sin with the same idea as death, it'll, it'll mean something to you. To, to say I'm a sinner means to say I'm dead with no hope. So who wants to go around and confess that? Well, it just sounds humble. No, it sounds stupid when you know the truth. It sounds humble when you don't know the truth, but when you know the truth and you're saying it, you're either lying or you're just on purpose just being ridiculous. Well, I don't know. I think the Lord will like me better. No, he likes you fine. He He loved you before he liked you or didn't like you. You know, some people have an idea about God like that. This poor old guy. There's this poor old guy, and uh, we'll just we'll just say his name was was Jim. And Jim, you know, he had tried every kind of business there was to make a living, and nothing ever worked. Everything he ever invested in blew up in his face. Just everything he did just failed. He couldn't stay married. Nobody liked him. He didn't have any friends. He just seemed to be just a total loser. 
And so poor Jim one day, he finally had scraped up, sold everything he had, scraped up enough money to buy a little piece of land and a little tractor and a little cabin. And he thought, if I can just farm enough to eat, I'll just leave everybody alone. I'll be that hermit guy, you know, that lives at the edge of town everybody wonders about. I'll be that guy and just stay out there and leave everybody alone and I'll just be happy. Well, you know, he and everything worked pretty good. He got the little plot of land. He got the little cabin built. He got his tractor. And he's riding along pretty good. Riding along in his tractor, plowing his field. And all of a sudden, the front tire hits a rut and he falls over and the tractor falls on top of him and he's pinned down there. Looks like this is the end for the guy because, you know, it's just he can scream all his wants for help. Nobody can hear him. He's out in the middle of nowhere. And he just lifts his head to God and he says, God, why? Why? Why does everything I do fail? Why does nothing I try you seem to help me? And the Lord spoke back to him and he says, I don't know, Jim, just something about you. I just don't like you. (laughs) Well, that's kind of dark humor, but yet... (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of the way religion presents our relationship with God as if God could just suddenly decide, you know, I don't know. Did you something about you I don't like? But thank God God is not blessing or cursing us based on any of that stuff. That is so immature, such a non-theological approach to God that I can't tell you how elementary and stupid it is. And yet Christians talk like that amongst themselves. Well, I don't know. I don't know why the Lord won't let me. Well, just stop talking and read the Bible. And only say what the Word says. So you see this. By Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. Let's keep reading. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. But, now here's the cool part about that. And who took the condemnation? Jesus. You understand that's why He was condemned to die on the cross for our sins. He died for us. When I say he died for us, it wasn't just, it wasn't just the propitiation part, the, the, the payment. He took our place in the payment. Substitutionary work of Christ. You should read everything you can about that. He took our place. The old song, I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have, you know, gone and bled and all that. But Jesus, God's Son, took my place. And there's no double jeopardy in God. Well, that one thing you did in 1949, I'll never forget it. Well, no, you've got the wrong God. I don't know who you're listening to, but it's not God the Father. Praise God. You get anything out of this? Thank you, Scarlett. We have a deal. Okay. 
for the judgment <laughs> for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. So it's like God took all the sin, all the offenses, all the horrible, and just put His arms of love around it and squeezed it down into Jesus. Hallelujah. And at the end of that finished work, we have grace. Woo! And we're in Christ. And everything that we need and have and desire is emulating from that. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, it did, the Bible says it did from Adam to Moses, much more, everybody say much more, just barely eke by. I pray I make it into heaven's gates by one toenail. No. Abundant in entry. Abundant entry into God. If by one man's offense death reigned by one, which was true, much more. I just think we can shout around here for about a week, much more. Much more. Much more. They which receive abundance of grace. Now, I've been warned, you, know, you need to not put too much emphasis on grace. You can get extreme. You don't want to get extreme. Extreme. How, you, you want to look at extreme, look at Father God. You're talking extreme. Sacrifice His only Son for the sins of the world. That's extreme. Now, who's extreme? Abundance of grace. Not just enough grace. See, grace has been used like putty for the wall, the, the hole in the wall. There's a gap. Let's smear some putty in there and we won't see it anymore. That's how grace has been used in the church. Do the best you can. Try really hard. Sweat. Break a sweat. Make it, you know, just do the best you can for the Lord. And where you just can't do it because you're all a failure, God's grace will smear in the gap. That's the way it's been preached. But it's wrong. We're supposed to live not with a little bit of a gap, toothpaste, in the middle. That's what college students do when they want to leave an apartment and get their security deposit back. They put toothpaste in the wall. Anyway, make sure you don't lose, use the striped stuff. It might show up. Much more they which receive just barely enough grace to make it where you miss it. No. Abundance of grace. And of the gift. Not the earnings. Not the payback. The gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, and it doesn't have your name on there. It says Jesus Christ. I submit to you that, you know, if you look, don't, don't turn there yet because we're going to keep reading. If you look at Galatians, and it says 
that the deal between God, it was between God, Abraham, and Jesus. The seed was Jesus. It says not seeds plural. That's why you can't come up with a Jewish uh, genealogical chart and 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 give credit. It doesn't. It doesn't work. Because he says it's not to seeds many, to seed one, singularly. None other than Jesus Christ. Remember how I preached and harped on that. Well, the, the great thing about that is, this is not about here, this is not about us qualifying and making all this happen. We're not the qualifier. Jesus is. We're, we're not qualifying ourselves for grace. He's qualified us. When did he do it? While we were yet sinners. I hope you like some of this. Let's keep reading verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. That's right. Say that includes me. See, we were all judged, condemned. But even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. Okay, let's keep reading. For, as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Praise the Lord. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Amen? That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness into eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. What's reigning in your heart tonight? Is grace reigning? Now, he picks right up here. You know, when he wrote these letters, he didn't just write, um, you know, put in all these chapter numbers and stuff. That's the King James people. Put that in there. Leave it to the British to organize the Bible. I have a joke about that, but I'm not sure it's appropriate for the church house. Okay, Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. See again, all of you preaching that grace, giving people an excuse to sin, giving them a license to sin. They'll sin without a license, let me tell you. They'll drive without a license, they'll fish without a license. They'll make liquor without a license. They'll, people will do all kinds of things without a license. But here, uh, we, Paul is asking the question that many want to ask. Well, if grace is so great, why don't we just make it greater by having worse sin? But he said, God forbid, that's not the thought. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein. Now see, the problem with rules is when you make them, 
I'm talking about for the church and for Christian living. But with the minute you make a rule, you create a law, you create a penalty, you create a condemnation, you have to create the whole system. Because the law not enforced isn't worth the paper it's written on. Are y'all still here? You gone home? I said that one time. A lady shouted out, "Gone home." She'd had enough. Sometimes I get sick of myself preaching. I have to go home. Like, what is that annoying voice? Oh, it's me. <laughs> How shall we that are dead to sin and living longer there? And so the point is, is this like? What good would it do? I don't know what the closest cemetery is here to our church, but I'm sure there is one somewhere. And uh, I know there's one down in Tarpon Springs, not too far, off of East Tarpon Avenue. And you could go out there tonight after the service and read all the city codes to those people and tell them the penalty for breaking the city codes And it's not going to make any difference because they're dead. You understand? They can't hear you. They also are not likely to commit the crimes that we're preaching about because they're dead. We need to stop treating the church like it's alive unto sin because if it's alive unto sin, it's dead unto God. That's why preaching sin, 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 is going to produce more sin in the church. If the if the pastor is preaching, ranting and railing about, you know, whatever, that's what you're going to have. If you preach righteousness, you're going to have acts of righteousness. If you preach love, you're going to have acts of love. You're going to have peace, you know, all these things, right? You preach, now, here's the worst sins, oh my God, I heard the other day somebody committed one of them, you know, and who's going to hell? You know, and give a, give a go to hell altar. And you start preaching of the grace of God and righteousness and talk about let's get it all under the blood and let's get it all, you know, under Christ. Somebody says you're a heretic. Why am I a heretic? Because you're preaching against the right to be, to be condemned and go to hell. People are fight for the right. <laughs> One preacher, a friend of mine said, people fight for the right to be sick and broke. You preach, you preach health and wealth and they want to, they, they want to fight for the right to be sick and broke. If you preach, <laughs> amen, if you preach salvation and righteousness, they want to preach against that, fight for the right to be condemned and go to hell. Well, just stick with your go-to-hell scriptures, and I'll stick with my redeemed scriptures, and we'll see how it goes with you. Amen. You can just go on to hell with your go-to-hell scriptures. But I'd rather just stay in, in, in the grace of God. Amen. I don't want to be, oh, oh, wretched man that I am. The things I want to do, I don't do. And stand up and blow snot and cry behind the microphone, you know, during a especially moving Sunday night service, which we used to do. I committed this sin, and I told God, I would, you know, and the pastor's going, please don't tell us what you did. Because maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe we don't want to hug you anymore. We don't know where this leads. 
I've had people come to me and say, I, Pastor, I need to tell you about this horrible thing I did. And I said, please don't. Don't tell me. Why? Because I have to look at you every Sunday and I don't want to think of that. Just, you know, tell the Lord about it. If that's not good enough, get some counseling and, you know, move on here. Please don't tell. No. Listen, well, the pastor needs to know what's going on. La, 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 la. I don't want to know. Now, if it's affecting the children's church or something, of course, but I mean, generally speaking, you know, we just don't need to know everything. People say, last Sunday, last Saturday night, I, oh, stop talking, please. Let's get it under the blood. Just wash it off. Amen. I mean, you know, if you puke on your shoe, you just wash it off and keep moving ahead, right? I mean, come on. Don't show it to everybody. Look, I puked on my shoe. Look, it's green. No, I mean... <laughs> Am I right? And it's like, no, we don't. Certain things we don't want to know. Tell it to Jesus. We used to sing, tell it to Jesus alone. Not to tell the whole world. We're dead to sin, and therefore, we're not moved by the law. It doesn't upset us. We, 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 what we're really saying is we don't need it. Because we've got a greater sheriff in town. A better standard based on, like Brother Hagin said, if I love you, I'm not gonna cheat on your, uh, with your wife. Try to take your wife. If I love you, I'm not going to lie and bear false witness against you. If I love you, I'm not going to try to steal from you. You understand? Say, so, well, you need to memorize the Ten Commandments and they need to be uh, permanently mounted on the wall. Well, who has to get up in the morning and check the Ten Commandments to make sure you don't murder, rape, and pillage? Apparently, Seattle and Portland and San Francisco need one but you know most folks have even even worldly folks kind of have a built-in moral compass but the christian that's saved and full of god's grace we're dead to sin somebody says well you know you know second corinthians 5 17 the amplified is just so amazing because it says that he uh canceled our sins and so you know this one preacher especially goes yeah when you i need to hear a good sermon on sin i said okay here's one mine are canceled how about yours praise the lord there's a good sermon on sin <laughs> in fact you can have mine if it makes you feel better praise the lord like snh green stamps here's a book completed full of sins the snh green stamp sin book how do we live that's a great question if we're dead to it how do we live in it let's keep reading no you see so the name of this teaching is dead to sin alive to God and the flip side would be alive to sin dead to God you can't have it both ways. James said that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's not just faith. 
That's double-minded about what you believe about yourself. Are you a Christian or not? If you're not, confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and get saved. Amen. If you are, talk and think and walk like a Christian. I'm the righteousness. I don't, I don't have righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That's my identity is righteousness. So how can I be, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Y'all help me to pray that I'll make it to the end. We're not going to pray that because it's, it's out of, it's, it's, There goes that pastor spitting on the congregation during COVID. No, you're not. Apparently not. <laughs> ah, I'm having a good time tonight. Hope you are. We've already watched everything there is on, you know, streaming TV. I think we watched The Crown three times through. Like crazy people. Anything you want to know about the royal family, I got the answers, I'm telling you. <laughs> know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Hallelujah. The old raunchy sinner man David was killed off with Christ. Woo! Sometimes you get around people, even Christian, even uh, preachers, say, what were you like before you were saved? Well, I was, you know, I was just wretched when I was eight years old, living a life of crime. (laughs) I was saved after a life of sin and degradation at age eight. But you know, they want to talk about high school days or whatever, how bad they were and all their escapades and everything. And, and I thought, you know, the Christians should not engage in that, really talk about much of that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, a little, maybe if you tell some of the story. But you know, sometimes they just get into it and it's like, these people are longing for something, you know, that's, it's not good. Okay. Nobody liked that. Sometimes you preach, you feel like you're in front of an Olympic committee. Six, nine, you know. The Russians always give themselves a nine and everybody else a four. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ, we are baptized into His death. Let's keep moving here. Therefore, therefore, this is like the result of it, We are buried with Him also by baptism unto death. We've been crucified, which kills you. We've been buried. That's the semblance, the symbolism of of baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Folks, this is so far beyond being sorry for our sins that I don't even like to, I don't even like to talk about that much anymore. Well, are you really sorry? Yeah, I'm really sorry. You can be really sorry just 
I'm sorry. I, I used to think we, we should just have had T-shirts for the youth department in Augusta, the Crawford Avenue Church of God, that just said, I'm sorry. <laughs> Does anybody relate to any of that? I mean, you just felt sorry all the time. Yeah, I feel bad. You know, they play the organ and then an altar call to come feel bad for a while. Yeah, I'm telling you, I am dirt. I am just dirt. Uh, but this is not just, this isn't about feeling sorry, having remorse, having regret. I think that just is natural. If you realize that you've done something that's displeasing to the Lord or against your conscience, you'll have those feelings. You'll have those things. But that's not what redeems us. We're not redeemed by, by, by remorseful, regretful feelings. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And something that's so divine and perfect and beautiful. And so it says we should walk in newness of life also it's the same, I love these big letters up here. It's the same newness of life that Christ was raised up in. The same glory. It says, like as he was raised up, even so we also should be raised up. That's what it's saying. Okay, one, a few more verses. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be planted together in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, whoo, you need to know this, know this, that our old man, the one that caused us so much trouble, our old man is crucified with him. That means dead. That the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. One more. For he, this is as far as we'll go, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Now how ridiculous it would be to get up now in the next 15 minutes, go over particular sins, and ask yourself to do the checklist and see if you... I'll tell you what. One time my wife and I, we were sitting in a meeting. I won't say what town, but it was not far from here. It's in the same state. We're sitting in a meeting, and a friend of mine is giving the altar call. It's the worst altar call I ever heard. He's given an altar call. And, of course, the first part is salvation, and it's, it's been a believer's meeting for like three hours. So, you know, two people kind of come down. I heard one of the ushers say to somebody else, now that one guy's not quite right in the head. He comes every time somebody gives any kind of an altar call. So I'm doing the counting as an evangelist. I'm thinking, well, we discount the guy that's not right in the head. So that's minus one. So we got, you know, we got the, the other guy, right? We count him maybe as a first time salvation. Fine. Praise the Lord. If only one gets saved, that's better than nobody, blah, blah. But, now we're going to continue on with the sin altar call. See, well, you uh, it got ridiculous. Let me tell you. Some of you have heard this before. You know how ridiculous it gets. He says, well, he says, now, you know, you're not, 
You're, there's sin in your life. There's some things that aren't quite right. And you need to come down and repent. So I grabbed my wife by the hand. You know, Cherie, I said, let's go. Now she knows that I'm being ridiculous because people know who I am at this church. So it's kind of bad. But me trying to make a point, I grabbed her by the hand. I said, come on, let's go. Got to go down there. Said there's some problems. We got problems. She said, David, would you shut up and sit down? Stop it. I said, well, that's what they said. There's sin in your life. I said, we had kind of a major argument right before the meeting. I think there's sin in our life. We need to go repent in front of God and everybody. Tell them what we said. Well, a few more stragglers come down, you know, and they're standing there and look like, they look like the face the dog gives you when you know he's done something in the living room. This is supposed to be a faith meeting. No faith there, man. We're like doom and gloom. Well, then the next part was, well, gotta name sins. So it starts naming certain sins. Some of them, one friend of mine said, some of those sins they name, I'd never confess to that. You know, it's like pull my fingernails out by the, you know, by the KGB, you know, pull the fingernails out. The pliers, I would never confess. And people were walking down there. Yeah, I'm a total pervert, you know. I mean, it's like, really? You know, anyway, so they got all these, I got all these sins that they've named, you know. People were walking down there and they looked like I said something, it looked like Blanche had done something in the den, you know, on the floor. That's my French bulldog. And she gives herself away when she does wrong things. She's weird. She like hunkers down. Like Jim Cantori at the Weather Channel. Hunkered down. Does anybody know what that really means? Hunkered. Hunkered. We need to hunker. What does it mean? I don't even know. Get down under something. Praise the Lord. Well, that's Blanche. She's a hunkerer. If she does something wrong. The cat couldn't care less. Cat's like, I made a mess. Clean it up. Do your job. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> but not the dog. Oh, the dog's guilt-ridden. Oh, can't, can't bear it. That's the way these people come out. I think, oh, my God, they all did something on the carpet in the living room. They're all standing down there. And then the intercessory prayer women, they start up, oh God, you know, they'll just stop in the name of Jesus. This is, this goes on, I'm telling you. It is so ridiculous. It, does it sound like any of what we just read? Where is this in Christian any, any, it's not even in the Bible, this practice. And it goes on over and over and over again. I'm, I think I'm on a campaign against it. And then the organ warbles on, you know, as we repent. Well, not enough comes. It's a big meeting, 2,500 people or so. You know, you can't just have like eight folks standing down there. That looks awful, especially on TV. So, we gotta have more. And here's how I got more. Well, you haven't been sinning, but you've been hanging around people that do. And I said out loud, there goes Jesus! Down the aisle, you know, because he hangs out with sinners. So this 
We had this friend, Sister Cindy Black, was sitting down the aisle, and somebody said to her, who is that guy that keeps talking out? And Cindy says, that's David Horton. He's always saying stuff. I heard that. And I spoke up and I said, somebody needs to say something. (laughs) The next night I got moved four rows back by the ushers. (laughs) But then Brother Hagenhead gave me the microphone. And so the next night I'm on the front row again. You just never know where you're going to end up. This was in Brother Hagen's meeting, but it wasn't his altar call, thank God. He would have never given an altar call like that. Oh, God help us. Praise the Lord. Amen. But I thought this is called my report of the worst altar call I ever heard. Jesus, you, you haven't been sinning, but you've been hanging around those. And then I got to thinking about that. I'm thinking, well, that's none of our crowd either because we've been warned, stay away from sinners. It kind of puts a dent in soul winning. If you can't go where the sinners are, how are you going to fish for any? You know, it just, it, the craziness never ends. I'll tell you what's wrong with it. The, the system is fixed and rigged towards sin consciousness, which was the problem with Moses' law in the first place. So Paul spends his whole career trying to get everybody to see the righteousness of God in Christ. See? Christ in you. The hope of glory. Woo! Yeah, but Brother David, I get up and I have these terrible feelings. I feel so tempted. Stop saying that. Stop talking about it. Talk about, I'm so glad Jesus set me free. I'm delivered. Oh, praise the Lord. I've been delivered by His Word. No more the chains of bondage. I've been delivered. Oh, praise His name. This is the way we talk. When you look at yourself in the mirror after the initial shock. <laughs> some some mornings I walk to the mirror and I go, oh my God, I've aged 10 years <laughs> just since yesterday. What? How far can things go? How far? <laughs> Anyway, you stand in front of the mirror and you need to look at yourself and look past yourself, if you can, and say, I am an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. I have favor with God and man and everything I do today is blessed. Woo! Hallelujah. And, and, and I'm a partaker of the divine nature. And today is going to be a great day and great things are going to happen. Instead of, oh my God, I can't believe it's Thursday already. What does that even mean? <laughs> it's just the name of a day. <laughs> Hallelujah. And the more you talk victory, the more victory you'll have. Okay, I gotta stop preaching. I'm just like, I'm out of control. <laughs> Glory to God. Let's lift our hands and thank Him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. I'm a partaker of the divine nature. Not I'm so tempted. I'm so weak. 
I'm so troubled. No, I'm a partaker of the divine nature. I only do that that pleases the Father. I only want to do that that pleases the Father. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Redeemed. Set free. Overcome. Blessed. Righteous. Filled. <laughs> supplied. And God's giving me, giving, giving me, giving as in current. <laughs> he is giving, ING, giving me million dollar ideas and, and brilliant thoughts and, and, and brightness and life and light. Woo! Our God is an awesome God. And I'm ruling, see these are the things you do. I'm ruling and reigning in life by Christ Jesus. Y'all pray I'll make it to Sunday. We're not gonna pray that because the whole premise is based on weakness. We pray, we don't, we just rejoice with you that you are who the Bible says you are. You have what the Bible says you have. You can do what the Bible says you can do. Praise God. These are the ways that the redeemed talk. Yeah, we're peculiar people. We are not like the world. I can't stand it when they say, we're all in this together. In the name, I bind. <laughs> I've got my cross and garlic out. I'm ready to defend. <laughs> Amen. We bind that. We're not all in this together. We are redeemed from the curse. Christ has redeemed us. Though a thousand may fall at one side and ten thousand at my right hand, it shall not come near me. <sighs> Well, what about brother so-and-so? He loved the Lord. Here he died of the COVID. Listen, I can't, you can't answer for everybody. Only for yourself. Amen. Amen. We pray for those that's lost people. We have compassion. We bring them prayers and casseroles. But you know what? Right? But you know, and try to show love. But that's about all you can do. But but you can't be responsible for the whole world, but you can be for yourself and your life and your loved ones. Amen. To a degree. All right. Praise the Lord. (laughs) I need to stop. Somebody help me. (laughs) Tinley was in the back of the car one time. She's like four. She's singing God Bless America. And she kept singing, God Bless America. My home, sweet home. God bless America. My home, sweet home. God bless. She said, somebody help me. She got stuck in the song and couldn't get out. (laughs) So we said, my home, sweet home. She goes, oh yeah, that's it. My home, sweet home. Oh, thank God. She said, I thought I could never get out of that song. All right, this is over. See your therapist tomorrow. You'll feel better.